Well, welcome to the second COVID Christmas. I think it's the second one, I guess. <clears throat> I don't know how long it's going to go on, but uh, God will see us through one way or the other. So um, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And uh, we just ask, Father, by your spirit, you'll move now. Reveal what you really did at Christmas. No, reveal yourself today. Draw us close to you. Draw us, Lord, and uh, reveal yourself in ways we've never seen before. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> have this entitled, uh, The Reason for the Season. You know, this is Christmas experience. This is number two now. So if you go, go to the next slide, the reason for the season, I have there, Jesus is the reason for the season. But you would never know it in North America that Jesus was the reason for the season. Actually, it's pretty obscured. And especially with, you know, the COVID-19 and all the variants coming in. Actually, there's a lot of people in fear today. Have you met people who have been in fear? You know, some people, they don't want to go out anywhere. And then, of course, we're seeing uh, shortages, supply chains being interrupted, gas prices going up, food prices going up. How many notice that food prices have gone up? Well, praise the Lord, we have money, we can buy some anyway. Some countries where I used to be in, uh, where I lived in Africa, where they made an average of 33 cents a day when I was there. And uh, they would be, for a meal, quite often you see, they get 40 men with sticks and they go through the hay and they try to flush out a field rat, so that'd be their meal. Those big field rats like that, that would be their meal. So we're living pretty good over here, you know, we don't know it. So, but uh, we're seeing everything. The world is in upheaval right now. Did you know that? Have you, have you observed that? Uh, especially like with the new government that got in the United States, it's just, it's, it's a very weak president. And of course, other countries now are starting to move. China threatening Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine the Middle East, Iran, all sorts of stuff going on now. And uh, a lot of people are upset. I see a lot of people really on edge. Have you noticed that? People getting edgy. You ask them a question, get a machine gun back, you know? So uh, that's the way it is. Praise the Lord, we're still breathing. Hallelujah. So I want to look at the, the North American Christmas that's the way it looks. That basically, that's what Christmas is, you know, for most of North Americans. See that picture up there? How many have been in malls like that? I used to go that in Montreal, the big Christmas trees and thousands of people out buying stuff. Uh, it, you know, Santa Claus parade has nothing to do with Jesus. You know, it has to do with uh, partying and stuff. I know that because that's the way it used to be. Christmas used to be a time to go visiting people and you try out the samples of the alcohol that they had. How I many you know that's, and I've been there, done that. Even one time I drove my car right in the ditch, so it was a, <clears throat> that's, what, that's what Christmas was, you know, and for most that's what it is, basically. It's the biggest economic event. You know, some people don't make it in stores if they don't have the sales for Christmas sales. And so a lot of people are tied financially to Christmas in North America, talking about turkeys, or even a shortage of turkeys now, so you have to buy a ham. 
Of course, now we have a thing called cancel culture. How many have heard of cancel culture? No, they've tried to cancel Christmas. You know, where you, maybe in May you can't say Merry Christmas. You've got to say Happy Holidays, stuff like this. And uh, they can try to cancel Christmas all they want. They'll never do that. God's in charge. Hallelujah. Amen. See, in the past, even uh, Christmas celebrations were canceled because they were just big drunks and things like this. Back to Puritan times, 17th century. And... Uh, they, they, they canceled for about 20 years because of all the drunkenness and all the disorder that went on with it. And of course, the first celebration of Christmas around December 25th was in Rome at 336 AD. Now, there's a question about, well, Christ wasn't born on the 25th. Well, it really doesn't matter. It, we're here, the main point is that Christ came. That's the main point. You know, for many, Chris, it's a time to think of Christ coming, you know, in a baby, uh, in a manger. That seems to be, well, it's a miraculous event, but it's not the real story. The real story is that the child of Christmas is God. The child of Christmas is God. He came. Philippians 2, 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. This is God now, coming as a baby. He can't get much lower than that, coming as a baby. Now, I've seen two of them being raised in my house, two little babies. Um, boy, they, uh, they can't do anything for themselves in the beginning. And you're always changing diapers. You've got to feed them and all sorts of stuff like this. Uh, so when God came in as man, in baby form, he was deity also. He never lost his deity. We got to, and if you look at today's uh, situation, it conceals the reality of Christ coming in as deity. And so for humanity, the bigger part, Christmas has no legitimate meaning at all. And for 2,000 years, the debate's been raging who, who Jesus really is. And some say he's just a God, a prophet, or they make Jesus less than God. Now, I want to show you a quote. How many have heard of Harvard University? You've heard of Harvard pretty well, everybody? It's probably one of the most renowned universities in the world. Now, it was founded in 1636, and here's what the trustees wrote. Listen to this now. This is, this is about 385 years ago. This is what they wrote. This is Harvard College, which is now Harvard University. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well. The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. And therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. That was 385 years ago. Well, that's totally changed today. Here's what Thomas Sowell, he's an economic sociologist, here's what he said. He said, in every disaster throughout American history, there always seems to be a man from Harvard in the middle of it. And that's what we're seeing. Well instructed, but Christ has been left out of the picture. It started with biblical foundations of Jesus Christ, and now it's turned into just a secular institution. 
Now, here's what Colossians says. This is not the total quote, but it's uh, pretty well most of it. Talking about Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For all things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. King James says, uh, through him all things consist. That means hold together. If Christ was out of the picture, the whole thing would fall apart. He holds things together. Now, when a nation rejects God, things start to fall apart. How many know we're seeing that in the United States? They took, in the 1960s, they took prayer out of the school and, you know, get rid of the Bible and all sorts of things. Now we're seeing the United States in a free fall right now. It, it's pretty scary to watch. My cousin, who's an unbeliever, he's a businessman in the States, uh, a pretty wealthy businessman, and he said, it, he said it's like this. I just phoned him. This is what, about a month or so I talked to him. He says, it's like watching the fall of the Roman Empire. That's what he said. He just lives outside New York City. In him, in Christ, all things hold together. He's also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Well, he's not first place in everything. You see it in our society. For it is for the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's what Christ is. See him there. And he came as a child, deity, as a baby. Now, you can't get more humble than that. The creator of everything coming as a child. And we can't forget that. that She's not a baby in a manger. It's God who came as a baby. Can't forget that. It's part of it. Jesus, creator, the head of the church, creator of everything. Now, one of the things uh, he came for also is to destroy the works of Satan. Next slide. Now, the word destroy, you see it, I'll read the 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The actual meaning of it is undo the works of the devil. And in Genesis 3, 15, we see the very first promise of a Savior coming here in the Old Testament. And it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it will bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So that's another reason to think of Christmas. He came to destroy and undo the works of the enemy. I know the enemy is going full steam ahead right now. I think he knows his time is short. I mean, there's an increasing amount of evil now that's happening in the world. I just saw something that was... Uh, Guy gets into a van, breaks through the barricade, and drives through a parade, knocking them all, kills about seven or eight people, and then injuring about 40, 50 others, driving his van right through the parade, kids and everything. Now that's right, evil. That's satanic. That's the devil. So we're seeing an intensification of this. Of course, the key place to watch on all of this is Israel didn't exist as a nation for hundreds of years. Then back in May 14th, 1948, 
it was restored as a nation. And of course, uh, and they're surrounded by millions of enemies. And just there, a little while back, over 4,000 rockets were fired into Israel. 4,000, over 4,000 rockets. And so it's a real hotbed of things going on over there now. I think this all indication that the return of the Lord is near. He said he'd come back. And we're seeing everything just crumbling all around. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, he described what it would be like. He said pestilences, pandemics, things such as that would be occurring. We're right in one now. You know, wars, rumors of wars. And so in John 10.10, it says, the thief does not come except the thief, that's the devil, except to steal, to kill, and destroy. We're seeing that now, aren't we? That's what's happening in our world right now. Uh, some places are more quiet than others, but it seems to be intensifying all around the world. But here's what Jesus came for. He says, I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That's part of the Christmas season. Jesus came to give life and have it more abundantly. And so, uh, basically what that means in the Greek, it says the state of one who's possessed of vitality, is animate, every living, it's the absolute fullness of life. And what's interesting here, it says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The, the Greek tense is this, it's present active subjunctive. And what that means is that, that, that they, the people, might keep on having life. Keep on having it. It's just not a one-shot deal. And so we come that you might have life and keep on having life, abundant life. So think of Christmas as that. That's why he came. And he come and came to set people free. How many know that? I've met people who have been in total darkness, thieves, robbers, murders, everything else, being set free. You look at Nicky Cruz, fiercest gang leader. I, matter of fact, I was going to New York at the time even when he was uh, the king of the gangs there in New York City. I'd go down there when I was going to high school and work for my uncle in the Jersey side. And uh, he was the most feared gang leader there. Now he's an evangelist. He's in his 80s now, still evangelizing. You were with him in Ireland, and he was preaching over there. God can, that's where he can come to set men free. Let's look at Mark chapter 5. It says, verse 3, it says, This man lived in the tombs, and no man could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. And verse 4 says this, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, Broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. In verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Verse 8, for Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Come out. In verse 15, it says this, and when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, a sound mind. What we're seeing today in our society 
is that people are not having a sound mind. Decisions that they are making, actions that they are doing, it's an indication there's another activity going on in their minds. And so an encounter with Jesus will give you a sound mind. That's a great Christmas gift, a sound mind. And we're seeing that today what's, with what's going on. People are losing their, their minds, basically, especially with this COVID-19. I've never seen so many agitated people. You, you talk to them, you go, Okay. Need a, need, a, need a glass of peace juice or something. I don't know. So you would have thought at this time that with this demoniac being set free and put in a sound mind, that people would be overjoyed that this man would be set free, that they couldn't keep in chains. Well, let's look at Mark chapter 5, 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Here it is, set free. Christ set them free, put them in a sound mind, and they don't want Jesus around. Doesn't that sort of typify our society today? How many know that some here, you've, you've made a decision for Christ, and the family gets mad? Some family members. Ever notice that? Some people can testify to that. I remember when I was teaching school in Brockville, Ontario, there was a businessman I knew. He had terminal leukemia. He didn't have, he only had a, probably several months to live. Went to Catherine Kuhlman crusade, got totally healed, didn't want anything to do with God, nothing. We saw, remember, that, remember that fellow that we saw? He got healed at our, our meeting we had, full gospel businessman meeting. We had about 350 people there. Uh, a jackhammer had fallen on his back. They weighed about, what, 200 pounds or so. Fell down, fractured his back, severed it, and, uh, and it was uh, displaced. He was on compensation. They got him to our meeting. God totally healed him, restored his back. He even had... He had problems with the compensation board because it was totally restored. But the previous x-ray showed it was all shot, shattered. Got totally healed. Didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Nothing. The last time I met him, he smelled alcohol in his breast. He was drinking. So people would rather have other things than having Jesus. And at Christmas times, I think that Jesus is the person that's most forgotten about or left out. If you go back and go to all your Christmas reunions and festivities, how much of it were Christ was the focus? Not much. I go back in my pre, my post, my pre-born again days, and Jesus had nothing to do, just parties. That's all it was, and family reunions, and turkeys, and eating, and carousing and all that other stuff you do. And so Jesus has the gift of eternal life. Christmas is about giving, but I see Christmas time as a great refusal of people who don't want Christ. It's a great refusal. Other things are, they're more concerned about other things. Now with COVID-19, 
a lot of people, they're losing a sound mind. They're, I mean, they're agitated. I mean, really. And sometimes what they spread out, it doesn't even make sense. Uh, it hasn't bothered me much. I still do what I'm doing. And, and uh, I go to the gym. You know, I take precautions, put the mask on. I have my vaccinations. I'll probably go for a booster. But still go to the... I do my, my biggest workout is down at the pool in Dalhousie. I start out in the hot tub and end up in the sauna. <laughs> and they ask me, how was it, man? I really, it was a real sweat, man. I really sweat a lot, you know? <laughs> so I'm still doing that. <laughs> Keep you sane, too. See, here's what uh, from the International Journal of Social Psychiatry says. She's the major mental issues reported were stress, anxiety, depression, insomnia, denial, anger, and fear. And it says children and older people, frontline workers, people with existing mental health illnesses were among the most vulnerable according to their study. That's just a recent study from the International Journal of Social Psychiatry. And so today we see people in mental chains. Christ is the answer for today. You know, uh, there's, there's a sound mind for those who are tormented. Uh, fear is a big factor today. Fear, you know, people bound by fear. You know, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love and a sound mind. Sound mind, it says. Sound mind. In John 3, chapter 17, or verse 17, John chapter 3, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what the world be saved. That's why God had Christmas and why he had Jesus come as a baby. And here's one of the big things of why Christ came. In Luke 4, 18, which is a quote from Isaiah chapter 61 and 2, it says, here's Jesus in the, in the synagogue. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So the gospel is not for the proud or the boastful, but for the mourners of those who, who are in heaviness because of sin, and they see the state of their soul. Now, to the poor, he says, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. Poor in spirit means that they're, they're humble. And to those that are sorry for their sinful state, they see their own wretchedness. And uh, a lot of people, when they look at themselves, they don't like what they see. Maybe there's some here today. Man, I'm just not, I just don't like what's going on inside of me. The gospel's for you. Jesus is for you at this moment. You're a candidate for the grace of God. Hallelujah. Now it says he came for the, the brokenhearted. And that brokenhearted in the Greek means to shatter. It means uh, broken to shivers. Overcome by grief and despair. I see that in this area. A lot of people just overcome you know, with the family situations, their health situations, their work situations. And so for many, Christmas time is a time of despair. 
Have you ever know? Have you ever met someone like that where it's not a joyful time for them at Christmas? They're in despair. The family's in a mess. Finances aren't there. Now with COVID nineteen, it's crazy separation. Some people haven't seen their families in a couple of years, and, uh, and that causes the stress. And so, I how many know that family reunions? We used to have ours in in Montreal. Had the whole family there and a whole bottle of kids and everything like this. And, and as the years went on, the gatherings got smaller and smaller and smaller. Now there's nothing there today. How many, how many experienced that? You know, it just people move away, people die off, and it just and it, it goes on. And there's a lot of brokenhearted people with it. But Jesus came for the brokenhearted. He came for the poor. Those that sees the wretchedness of their own soul. And it, that's why there's hope in the gospel. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Remember, it's that subjunctive tense on a regular basis. It's just not a one-shot deal. Then he came for this, the deliverance to the captives. It means to basically the release from bondage of imprisonment. A lot of people are imprisoned in their own minds in their own soul. Jesus came for the deliverance of these captives, forgiveness or pardon of sin. Basically, the context of that word is a prisoner of war. Captive maybe in a dry place. Maybe some of you are going through a dry spell at this time. There just doesn't seem to be any, no, like real, I'll call it liquid presence of God, for lack of better terms. Maybe you're going through that. Jesus is for you at this time. He's for you. The grace of God is always there. He doesn't change. We change. He doesn't. So may come for that deliverance. And I, I want to look at this verse here. This is one that sort of really inspires me. 1 Corinthians 1.8. How many just, you look at your life and you think, man, this, I seem to be getting weaker spiritually. You ever had that? I don't see to me. It says, he will keep you strong to the end. Take that as a promise and put it in your pocket. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get really down on ourselves and we pound ourselves, beat ourselves up. But he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he will do his part. God always does his part. In Hebrews 13.5, says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's another promise. You can tie in with another one right there. Never leave you nor forsake you. So he's come to set you from that dry place and free you from it. That grace is always there. That you might have life and have it more abundantly. That means on a regular basis, continuous basis. And it says sight to the blind. You know, those who are spiritually blind. You know, I've seen some, I remember, oh, the woman there, seemed to be coming, moving along with God. Seemed to be understanding. And then after several years, bah, in the occult. 
occultic practices, New Age stuff. You know, uh, but that was that was just spiritually blind, but it was a willful blindness. And so another one that why Jesus came in Luke four four eighteen it says for the oppressed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that word oppressed, it means crushed or bruised. Uh, I've met some people in this area. They're totally crushed. Just by the weight of everyday living, they're crushed. They can't seem to move out. And so Jesus is extending his hand of grace for those that are crushed and bruised. I think that's sort of a, a description of humanity, basically. And in Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There is the Christmas message. He's come to seek and save that which was lost. So God is with us so that we can go be with him. Basically, that's what it is. And uh, Jesus came to save you. And he has a place for you. It says, in my Father's house, in John 14, 2 and 3, it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's Christmas message. He wants you. He wants that relationship with you. He wants people to have that relationship with him. But I think at Christmas time, with all the stuff that goes on, Jesus is the most forgotten person at Christmas. Would you maybe some of you agree with that? It's, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm, I'm preaching this not just to you, but I'm preaching it to me too. Said, oh my goodness, you get so caught up in all the activities. And with COVID thrown in, that makes it even a different ballgame. Now, I just want to end off with one last verse quoted from Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah 714 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus with us. So I just want to encourage you this this year to try to watch out for the distractions, COVID-19, all this stuff that's going on. And just God with us, but not only with us, he's in us for those who believe. That your, that your temple is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God in you. That's, here's the God who created the whole universe in us. That's, it sort of knocks your mind out of the ballpark trying to think of all that stuff. You know, the creator of the world in us. That's the Christmas message. Can we just stand, please, for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you did come in human form, born as a child, and you were raised 
And you understand each one of us. You know what we go through. You understand us. And you came. And uh, Father, I just ask that uh, maybe there's some struggling this time. Uh, I just ask that you move by your Holy Spirit. Reveal the grace of Christ at this time. Father, you know, by your Holy Spirit, through your word. I ask that for those who are struggling, Lord, that uh, you extend your hand towards them. And Lord, he says you'll, you'll hold us up. You're the one who holds us up. I ask that you will reveal yourself to your people in that way today. So, Father, I just praise your mighty name. I ask that your will will be done. And, Lord, use us as channels of blessing to others at this time that we're in. For the honor and glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. You can be seated. And you want to say something? Doesn't look like anybody wants to move. Please forget, don't forget, there's no Bible study tonight. Come and join us on the mock concert on Tuesday and invite people for the concert on the 23rd and the 24th. May God be with you. May he bless you as he always does and give you the strength to remain focused on Jesus. Thank you. No, no, you're not, you're not beating me to Jesus, okay? You're not beating me to Jesus.